0: Welcome to Fado Fado, a series of stories about life in rural Ireland in the first half of the 20th century as told by members of the Ballinasloe Active Retirement Association. Women are the great unsung heroes of human history. Their stories were seldom written, but it was they who prepared the food for the table, kept the home fires burning, made the clothes for the family and reared the children. As we shall now hear in this episode, the Irish mother demonstrated all of these traits, and much more besides. The life and times of my mother. Instead of childhood memories of myself, recently a lot of thoughts of my dear mother have flooded back to me, so I thought I would try to paint a pen picture of her and her daily routine of work and care for all of us. My mam, her name was Susan, God rest her noble soul, was born in 1897, the second in a family of five, three girls and two boys. She had left school at 13 years of age, which was quite normal at that time, I understand. Despite this, she had a great grasp of general knowledge, loved literature and poetry, and instilled a love of learning in us all. She went to work, mainly in rich people's homes, as a general helper and childminder. She told us of one particularly hard post she held in a wealthy farmer's place. She would get up at seven o'clock, help with household and many farmyard jobs, before she got a breakfast of tea and bread about ten o'clock. She worked all day cleaning, cooking, doing laundry work, helping with children, etc., and never finished before eleven o'clock at night. No trade unions there. Later, she got work at a small hotel, having earned a good reputation for hard work and total honesty. There, she became the head cook, which stood her in good stead in her married life, as she had to feed a household of 10 on limited means for many years. My mum and dad married in 1925 when she was 27, which was considered getting on in those days. Dad was 17 years her senior, but that never seemed to be a problem. She had seven children in as many years. My only sister was the eldest, then five boys, including twins, and myself, her last living child. She had two further full-term babies, both of whom were sadly born dead. I very seldom saw her cry, but did on a few occasions, mourning her dead children. In my childhood, Mam would rise about 7.30. First a prayer, an offering of the day ahead to God and asking his blessings and protection on us all. Then she had to light the fire in the kitchen. Hopefully, there would be enough kindling in it from raking the previous night. If not, this could be a long process. The black kettle was eventually boiled over the fire and the tea made. Breakfast, what for us children was usually porridge, which she had prepared the previous evening and homemade brown bread. Dad was always served first and he also had a boiled egg. She washed and helped us younger ones to dress and get ready for school, made our lunches, bread and sometimes cheese or jam and bottles of milk. She then hand-milked the cows, six or seven of them, average for the locality. Next was feeding time in the yard, the young calves first, then pigs, Hens, turkeys, and geese all had to get their rations. Baby cheeks and young turkeys got specially prepared feeds. The water needed for all these chores had to be drawn from a well, the nearest one about 150 yards away. The better spring well where the drinking water came from was farther, about 300 yards. All hot or boiling water needed for making animal feeds, washing dishes and clothes, etc. had to be heated in a large pot over the open fire. When all were fed, she would return to the kitchen, kneel down and pray, for what we as children thought was ages, but was probably about 20 minutes. No other break, kitchen was tidied, beds made, and then dinner was started. This was quite a feat, cooking everything over the open fire, yet she managed to prepare some lovely meals. Bacon and cabbage was usual. A home-reared pig would be killed annually. Sometimes a chicken from the flock would be in the menu boiled to make delicious soup, on Sundays or on the odd special occasion maybe a pot roast of beef or lamb was cooked, always with plenty of potatoes and vegetables. This would be followed by rice or semolina and perhaps stewed apple or uber. Virtually all the food, except tea and sugar and cheese, was home produced, pure organic though we never heard that word and would not have known what it meant. When we returned from school and had eaten dinner, we might help her a little by collecting the eggs, feeding chicks, or helping with the churning, and watch her then make up the butter into pound sections. What was extra to the household needs was kept cool in the dairy and taken to the market in the dock on Mondays, as well as a big basket of eggs. From these sales, Mum was expected to buy the groceries for the week. And when things were a bit flush, perhaps an item or two of children's clothing. She always put everybody's needs before her own and was nearly always happy and singing as she worked early and late. Dad was responsible for buying the coal for the fire, also the bags of flour, and had the corn ground into porridge meal. He was a good man, hard working and well respected as a farmer and neighbour, but like most men of that era, All child-rearing and house and yard work was the responsibility of herself. He was, I believe, proud of us all, but was a bit aloof, and it was always to mam we would turn with our troubles, though she would consult with him on any serious issues before giving advice. Afternoons would be spent baking three or four large bunnocks of bread in the pot oven. I've never yet tasted anything better. Although she would often help also she would also help out in the fields at haymaking or tying sheaves of corn at harvest time before the era of the binder or harvester or cutting seed potatoes for next year's crop. Evenings after tea the milking and feeding routine having been completed she would stoke up the fire and listen to the battery radio or reading newspaper or do some knitting or mending of clothes till bedtime and prayer time again. Things did improve for her. Rural electrification hit her area in nineteen fifty-six. A new modern mistress range and a small gas cooker was bought, all of which made life easier, as by this time Mam had high blood pressure and a heart complaint. Then in 65 a bathroom and running hot and cold water were installed, which she said was the best mod cons of all. I am proud to say that I brought Mam on her first holiday. I had just qualified as an RGN and on leave from England and in the summer of 1956 I arranged for she and I to have a week in Bray by the sea which she enjoyed. Thankfully, she lived to have many more breaks and holidays with all of my brothers and sisters later and it was good to be able to see her take life easy in her twilight years. The final few years of her life she spent living with my sister and visiting all of her other children. She had several holidays here in Banlaslow. She passed away very peacefully in May 83, just as she had wished, at home, my sister's house, with all of us around her. Our final words as she was dying were, keep praying for the sinners of the whole world. Rest in peace, ma'am, and thanks for being you.